Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Arscast fans, it's another Friday Arscast on arsblog.com in association with savilrogue.com, who make the best football scarves in the world ever. It's an Arscast after a week off, and I do apologize for that, leaving you Arscastless last Friday, but I only got back from London uh, late on Thursday evening and just didn't have time to get anything uh, together, anything of sufficient quality together, I should say. Uh, we make up for it this week, though, with a action-packed show with a action with an action-packed show and to think i used to be an english teacher coming up between now and the end i speak to arsenal legend bob wilson uh, we also talk with uh, philippe auclair from france football about thierry henry his injuries the relationship between Arsene wenger and raymond dominic uh, and also a little bit about william gallas the man in the bar is here Arsene wenger hawkins is here and there's a few other little bits and pieces going on as well so lots between now and the end so what's happened since the last arscast a lot has happened, hasn't it, really? Uh, but there's been so much time between the Arscast and the games uh, that it's all been covered pretty much in great detail. We we beat Reading. We got three points against Reading, even though we made life rather difficult for ourselves. And then there was the PSV game, which I'm not going to rehash here because um, we've been through it all. And we've all gone beyond it and, and put it behind us for another season. So there's no point in me talking about this, that, and the other, or what player didn't perform or blah, blah. there just isn't is there because we've we've done it we've done it all we all know the problems that we have at the moment we're not scoring enough goals our strikers aren't scoring goals our midfield aren't scoring goals our defenders aren't scoring goals and and possibly we're letting in too many goals when we're not scoring goals although letting in any goals is too many goals but you know you know where i'm coming from but anyway disappointing disappointing we all know that but football is like that sometimes um you can play brilliantly and lose you can play crap and win and we're sort of playing crap and not winning but there you go however however let us look on the bright side because on wednesday night three more points uh, were put on the board and moved us into third place in the league after uh, the aston villa game first half i thought i thought we did very well we made some chances uh, as usual, we didn't take them, and it could have cost us, and it has cost us in previous games, but we defended well enough. Villa did nothing much apart from boot the ball up to Carew, and uh, apart from one or two slightly scary moments, they didn't really threaten us. But the worry is between now and the end of the season where exactly the goals are going to come from, because Batista, as much as I want to like him, and I, when he arrived, I really wanted to like him, and I still really want to like him, but I can't. As a footballer, I, he just doesn't do it for me. He's too clumsy. Um, he's had more than enough time to settle in now. 
and he's getting chances in the team where he should be uh, performing, and he's just not. Jeremy Aliadier, there's a lot to like about his game because he's quick, his movement is good, he gets himself into good positions, but his finishing is rubbish. Um, and at this level, uh, you just wonder, has he gone beyond the point where he can improve enough to get into the side? He's 23 now, coming up to 24. Um, against Villa, he had one guilt-edge chance, guilt-edge chance uh, to make it 2-0. Uh, but he managed to head it into the ground and over the bar. Another one where Sorensen made a save, but possibly quicker feet would have uh, given him a better chance of scoring. And another one, a uh, very similar, posi- uh, similar position, where he ran in on goal but got dispossessed. So it's a worry, because to my mind, uh, Ali Adier is not good enough. Baptista is not good enough. We'll have Adi Bayorbank, but you know, as hard as he works and as much as we like him, uh, he's not exactly prolific. We need somebody between now and the end of the season to bang in eight or ten goals that are going to win us games. And it's very difficult to see where those goals are going to come from or who exactly is going to score them. However, all you can do is win the next game. And uh, we won the Villa game. We go up to Everton on Sunday. And hopefully there's somebody with a goal in them uh, that'll win the game up there. The other big news uh, since we last spoke was the fact that Thierry Henry, after the PSV game, was ruled out for the rest of the season um, with injuries Uh, Stomach injury, groin injury, back injury, spine injury, skin injury, torso, limbs and extremities injuries. Basically, the man is broken. So to talk about the reasons behind those injuries and Arsene Wenger's uh, very harsh words about the... uh, uh, the France national team and the way they've treated the Arsenal captain. I spoke to uh, Philippe Auclair from France Football, who explained a little bit uh, about the sort of man Raymond Domenech is. Um, he seems to be a bit... Uh, his relationship with Arsene Wenger. And we also spoke a little bit about William Gallo. So here's blog chat number one. Okay, on the Arscast now, I'm very happy to welcome Philippe Auclair from France Football. Hello, Philippe. Hello. Okay, I, I want to talk to you briefly uh, about Thierry Henry, who's out for the rest of the season. And when Arsenal announced that he was going to be out for the rest of the season, it was quite yes. pointed that they mentioned he's going to be out domestically and internationally. And we've had Arsene Wenger speaking now uh, yesterday about how he feels Thierry Henry was badly managed by France after the World Cup. There's not much of a relationship between Arsene and Raymond Dominic, is there? Well, there's absolutely no relationship whatsoever. I mean, I, I remember asking actually this very question to, to Arsene Wenger. And um, he said, no, there is no relationship. I, I, I've never talked to him. Well, I haven't talked to him since he's been the French team coach. Uh, I've never met him. He's never been to the Emirates Stadium. He never asked me any questions. And uh, no, I mean, there's, I would say it's not even a non-relationship. I would say it's almost like a... It's war, basically, because Arsene is absolutely furious with the way Thierry was... Uh, treated <clears throat> at the beginning of the season. I mean, very briefly, what happened is that, of course, Thierry came back from the World Cup final being played on the 9th of July, absolutely dead, basically, physically speaking, um, and, of course, didn't take any part in Arsenal's preseason. And um, even though there was this very important tie to be played uh, in Zagreb against Dynamo uh, in the preliminary round for the Champions League, and Thierry was kept out of the team, even though it was an absolutely vital tie for the club. But what did Dominic do? He actually asked Thierry to come uh, and take part in a completely meaningless friendly in Bosnia, uh, immediately after the game against Zagreb was played, when Thierry was patently unfit, 
And then what happened is that he played Ori for 90 minutes uh, of this friendly game just to prove his point. And um, what is extraordinary is that the other players who were in the Premier League uh, and part of the French squad at the time, uh, think of Saar, think of Anelka, think of the, of the Chelsea players as well, like Claude Makelele, only played 45 minutes of this game. But the only player who played in the Premier League to uh, to be there for the whole duration of the game was probably the most unfit of them all, i.e. Thierry Henry. And many of his problems stem from that. And Thierry won't go as far as, 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 as saying that. He won't be as, obviously, uh, hard towards Dominic as Arsene can be. But after talking to him quite recently, um, uh, it's pretty obvious that he feels that uh, he hasn't he has been hard on by. And, um, I mean, I, I'm not looking forward to it, but there's going to be another war of words and another war uh, very, very soon, because as you know, France is playing some quite important games at the end of June, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Raymond Domenech um, asked Thierry Henry to come back to Clairefontaine and um, maybe to take some part in the preparation for these games against Ukraine and Georgia, and that would be, of course, uh, from an Arsenal perspective, exactly the wrong thing to do. Okay, I mean, uh, I remember when when Robert Pires damaged his cruciate ligament. And there was yeah. a suggestion at that time before the World Cup in 2002 that they might, that France might actually uh, play him and delay any surgery and what have you uh, until after that. Uh, obviously, that turned out to be untrue. But is it uh, a case that France is putting players' uh, safety and their uh, health and fitness um, to one side in order for s- some short-term gain? I think you could argue that, yes. I think that you would you, you would have a point. I mean, the, the fact is it's a very different culture in France where most people federate not around the club, as it is the case um, in England or in Scotland, but they, they federate around Les Bleus, the national team. And people find very difficult to understand that a club, uh, even though the club pays the wages, uh, might be uh, the priority in a player's career. I mean, it's a completely different attitude. Not that Dominic is getting much sympathy, to be honest, in, in, in France. I mean, most of the people I've talked to uh, think that actually the man is, is raving mad. But um, uh, it, it's true that he's using this preeminence of, of the national squad over the club as a, as a tool, as a means to an end, to make sure that he's the boss. Uh, but here's a man, you know, to give you an idea of, of, of his opinion of, uh, uh, of what is, is going on in clubs, is, uh, he's never been, never, ever been to a premiership match where French players are playing which is quite extraordinary, considering the number of French players who are there. Well, how does he then uh, gauge the, the, the form of his squad, or which well, players... Well, he has might... scouts. He has scouts, uh, obviously. Uh, to be honest, they must be very discreet, because I've never seen one. Uh, <laughs> uh, he has also... Well, he, you know, he bases himself on, on reports, I suppose, and also on the work that the players are doing with the French team when they get together at Clairefontaine or elsewhere uh, to prepare for the next game. It's actually, I have, to th- I have to say, I find very mysterious. But I, I, I remember, uh, again, t- talking to Arsene about it and saying, I mean, how can it be that the manager of a national team has never even given you a call to make sure, you know, to ask you how's this player doing and so on? No, he's never done it. And you would think as well, there are so many... French players who are on the fringe of the national team, like Gael Clichy, Mathieu Flamini, and I think Abu Dhabi, who will soon be a regular, um, that you would imagine that they would 
you know, uh, have a look at, at this, but no, he doesn't. He, he spends a lot of time in French grounds, hardly ever goes abroad to watch games, maybe some Champions League game from time to time, but as far as domestic competitions, he ignores them completely. Uh, it, it's, it's quite shocking, really, and um, the, the problem is that the clubs, and I, I don't mean just Arsenal, the clubs are paying uh, for the preeminence of the national team in Dominic's mind, and unfortunately as well, in many people's mind in France, where, as I said, club culture is not as strong as it is here. Wow. Uh, well, or, or we're obviously dealing with somebody uh, uh, very special here. Um, he's mad. <laughs> you know, I mean, this, he's raving mad. Wow. I mean, this is the man who left Robert Pires out of a World Cup squad because he was of the wrong star sign. So, you know, he's, he's mad. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> quickly, I just want to touch on William Gallas. His comments during the week, um, this week on Tuesday, uh, nearly a week after the PSV game, um, were a little bit strong, in my opinion. There was no need for them at the time that they came out. Uh, he does have a little bit of a, a reputation for being outspoken. Yes, no, he's he's a very uh, um, what what's the word I could use? I wouldn't say necessarily eloquent, but um, a very right. vocal type of player. Um, it, it it has got its advantages. If you want an honest assessment of a team's performance, uh, you go to William after a game. And there will be uh, no excuse, no obfuscation. He will tell you, we were rubbish, we were good, uh, we need to change this, we need to change that. I'm not happy with my club, I'm not happy with the team, blah, blah. He will do uh, things exactly how they are. Um, it has its drawbacks because, yes, uh, it can appear that he's whinging or complaining for things he shouldn't complain about, and, but it's just not his style. And if you want Galas, the player, who, when he's at his best, and I think Arsenal supporters haven't seen him quite at his best yet. Um, you've got one of the true, truly best defenders in the world, um, but that goes the package with uh, a certain uh, outspokenness, if there's such a word, and sometimes a tendency to, uh, well, to speak out of turn and maybe not to say exactly the right thing. Um, and, uh, the, the situation is, is complicated by the fact that he was desperately hoping to establish them himself at Arsenal this season as centre-half, as you know. And that what with his injuries, other people's injuries, suspensions and the rest of it, he hasn't been able to settle in the team as he wished to do. And he was so close to doing it during the autumn. And then his season, like Thierry Henry's, has been completely ruined, basically. And I think what you're hearing is a very frustrated man um, who's speaking his mind but I have no doubt that, um, well, you know, he will, he will serve the club very, very well indeed. Okay, perfect. Philippe, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Philippe Auclair from France Football for talking to Arsblog and uh, giving us a little bit of background on the dispute between uh, Arsene Wenger and Raymond Dominic and Thierry Henry's injuries and William Gallas. And uh, today, it being Thursday, um, Dominic has come out, of course, in defence of uh, his position and said that France never play an injured player or nobody ever said he was injured, though. All that Arsene Wenger said was that uh, he was played when he shouldn't have been played, uh, when he was tired and when he was more susceptible to injury. Perhaps if his horoscope had told him that Thierry shouldn't play, maybe we wouldn't have an injured captain now, but that is uh, the kind of man that you're dealing with. So there you go. Anyway, on the way, we have got uh, another chat with Bob Wilson. 
uh, former Arsenal goalkeeper. And we'll be talking a little bit about um, the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal, our season. And, of course, uh, some information about the Willow Foundation, which is the charity that Bob and his wife uh, founded after the death of their daughter. So stay tuned for that. Now, though, it's time to go to the bar. And uh, mine's a Guinness, as the man in the bar uh, gives you another player history. Oh, there you are now. Ha, big fella you are, winning the old bloggy journal week. What's that? Like the blogging equivalent of the Oscars. Oh, tell you a real story about Oscar, so I will. You know me all over there. Yeah, he won the Oscar for best photograph of McAvraferty. Whatever you call it. For the quiet man when it was filmed here all those years ago. I tell you what, he got his leg over Maureen O'Hara a couple of times and all. Do you get that with your bloggy? I think not. Anyway, today we're talking about the first ever Nigerian to play for Arsenal. That's right. Kanu, his name was. And Arsenal signed him from Inter Milan. He'd been having a few problems, you see. Because he was a captain of the old Nigerian Olympic team that won the Olympics. Uh, the Decathlon, I think they won. But anyway, he signed for Inter Milan. And then Inter Milan did no medical on him after the fact. Which wasn't the cleverest thing, you have to say. And they discovered that his heart was bollocksed. It was wrecked altogether. Jesus, they said, what can we do? A footballer without a heart is not much use at all. So, in a revolutionary operation, they took out his bollocks old heart and they put in the heart of a great big otter. And it worked reasonably well, you see, but there was a problem with the anti-rejection drugs and the pasta and the red wine and the pizza and the parmesan cheese that's part of the Italian diet and obligatory for all the Inter Milan players. But you see, when he got to London, they found no problems at all, you see, because a full English breakfast and the anti-rejection drugs made everything work perfectly. Amazing it was. And his debut, all a bit of an old controversy, you see, when he, he continued playing and Sheffield United and that old cunt Steve Bruce tried to take their players off, but Arsenal being Arsenal did the right thing, you see, and played the game again and beat Sheffield United. He scored some magic goals as well. One time, he scored a goal without even touching the ball. I was there myself, I saw him. He ran to the corner flag and back and to the other flag and back, and he ran around the goalkeeper, made him so dizzy he didn't even touch it, and the ball trickled over the line. Sadly for Canu, he got a bit injured, you see, one of the seasons, and Arsenal bought Francis Jeffers, and a lot of people said... Go on, give the old Francis Jeffers a try. He's got to score a few goals. But he was nothing but a jug-eared shite. He never did a thing. The poor old Canu never quite recaptured his form. They sold him on then to West Bromwich Albion. As some kind of a punishment, I can only imagine. And now he's at Portsmouth. But he'd like to go back to Ajax in Holland, you see. Because Harry Redknapp makes the Portsmouth players eat two Savaloys for breakfast every day. And as we all know, a Savaloy is not really a breakfast dish at all, at all, at all. That was The Man in the Bar with another player history, and he will be back, of course, on next week's Arscast, even though we've had some transfer offers from some inferior podcasts for The Man in the Bar. Um, it's never going to happen. He loves the Arsenal. You see, he loves Arsblog too. I think he quite likes me in a in a good way though in a good way uh, just to cover a few of your emails and and things like that um if you want to know why uh, we've struggled a bit in the last little while talk to Jules Bentley yeah he is a guy 
who normally drinks Stella, and that's his lucky beer, and, and the day of the Carling Cup final, what happened? He got Cronenberg. And the day uh, we got knocked out of the Champions League, he had Peroni, Italian beer. I mean, it's nice every now and again, but it's not lucky. So, Jules, get back on the Stella, please. Uh, Craig Johnson was somebody who just wanted to email and say that uh, even though things haven't gone particularly well, we should... Uh, Keep a bit of perspective. It's not all doom and gloom, uh, which it certainly isn't because we're up to third place in the league. Paul Carolan says, uh, here's a new idea for a cheap reality TV show. Two football fans swap allegiance for a season, each finding out what it's like to support the other's team. For maximum entertainment, you'd probably have to make it two clubs which are uh, very opposed. Yeah, a top Premier League team like Arsenal, for example, and a team propping up the league uh, like Torquay, for example. He says... Uh, we Gooners could experience what it's like to get unceremoniously dumped out of multiple cup competitions in the space of a few days, learn how frustrating it is never to have your first 11 fit and available to play, suffer the dire consequences of erroneous decisions made by fourth-rate referees, enjoy leisurely weekends with no stress or fear as their team isn't playing. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Don't think we need to be Torquay fans for that, but cheers for that, Paul. Uh, a big hi uh, to Jamie. Uh, and everybody in the Highbury pub in Milwaukee who watch all the Arsenal games and listen to the Arsecast, well done to you guys. Thanks a million. And uh, finally, uh, I have an email, and I have to just click around a little bit here, so if you hear clicking noises, um, that's what it is. It's me clicking. Jeff, he says, Hi, Arse blogger. I'm a new fan from Over the Pond, who over the course of the season has skipped more than my share of real work uh, to cheer on Arsenal. And as you know, I'm trying to get my blood boiling at the thought of the right rival, so I'm asking for your help. I hate Tottenham because I'm supposed to, and I'd like to add some post-hoc justification to it. So tell me, Arse blogger, why do I hate Tottenham? Right, I'm going to throw this out to you lot out there. Uh, you can email arscast at arsblog.com. You can now call, don't forget, and leave a voice message for the uh, for the Arscast. The number, if you're in the UK, is 020-7193-6971. If you're calling from outside the UK, you dial your international code, uh, plus 4420-7193-6971. Details of that number are on uh, the Arscast page on the Arsblog site. Or you can leave an audio message via your computer. Uh, let's make this our mission for next week, to explain to Jeff why uh, he should hate Tottenham. Because it's easy to see Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool and even to an extent Bolton as more serious rivals uh, based on the way the league has gone and, and uh, the sort of competition that we face week in, week out. It would be easy for somebody new to the game or new to Arsenal to view Tottenham as little more than a mild annoyance rather than a great rival. So let's have it. Let's have your emails and voice uh, voicemails and audio messages and we can play them on next week's show and explain to Jeff why um, he should hate Tottenham. Okay, moving on. Last year, the Arsenal uh, charity of the year was the David Rocastle Trust, and we all know uh, who David Rocastle was and what the trust does. This year, uh, for the, uh, the first year at the new stadium, uh, the charity of the year... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. is the Willow Foundation. Now, the Willow Foundation uh, was set up by former Arsenal goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach Bob Wilson. I had the pleasure of talking to Bob earlier in the week, and he explains a little bit about um, what the Willow Foundation can do, what you can do to help if you're that way inclined. And we also had a chat about Arsenal's season, the way things have gone over the last couple of weeks, and of course we talk about the goalkeeping position, something Bob has a little bit of expertise in, and uh, given the fact it's all a little bit up in the air, it's something a lot of Arsenal fans want to find out about. Who who are the names? Who are the people that might replace Jens if indeed Jens goes? So, without further ado, here's a blog chat with Bob Wilson. Uh, this week on the Arscast, I'm delighted to welcome former Arsenal goalkeeper and former Arsenal goalkeeping coach Bob Wilson. Hi, Bob. Uh, hello. Um, I don't want to say you know former this former that because it makes it sound like you're you're not a busy man. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, you spend a lot of time uh, with the Willow Foundation, which is Arsenal's chosen charity for for this particular season. Can you give for the uninitiated a, a little explanation of what the Willow Foundation does? Yes, uh, the Willow Foundation provides special days for seriously ill young adults between the ages of sixteen and forty. It's the only charity in the UK that. Uh, is in that age group, 16 to 40. There are wonderful children's charities and there's good backup in the elderly area. But uh, in the illness that our daughter Anna contracted when she was 26 and that uh, she had cancer visit her for five years, she was amazing. She just um, was, uh, she ensured that we had something to look forward to, that she had something to look forward to, and we did it with style. And uh, it gave her an adrenaline rush and a little bit of normality at the time she was fighting her cancer. And when she died, just before she died, she just made sure, she said, look, make sure you use what you've learned, don't let this thing destroy you, and go out there and do something about it. And um, we set up the charity in her memory. Her, her nickname was Willow. It was my nickname as a footballer as well. But um, that's what we do, and we've come a long way. We were 17 special days only in our first year, and now we give 1,200 special days every year as a national charity. That's incredible. In terms of the exposure, because recently you have gone sort of more national, um, obviously it means you need more uh, help in terms of, in terms of volunteers and, and donations. How, how can people help? Well, the best way really is to get onto the website uh, just to see what Willow does, and uh, it's www.willowfoundation.com. 
www.ghostsofthegothic.org.uk. And uh, we do have a huge staff now. I mean, from you know that first year when Megs and myself worked out a bedroom in our family home, worked out of that. We now have 26 staff, believe it or not, and a uh, standalone building. And it is a massive business now. And uh, what we have to do is we need to raise $1.75 million to $2 million a year to guarantee the 1,200 special days that we are giving. And we need to make sure that it continues to be uh, just 25% of that goes on administration uh, of the monies that we raise and that the rest of it goes on those special days. Obviously, the connection with Arsenal this season will have, will have helped. Well, that's the awareness that's happened. We, we um, in some way, I mean, it's been amazing that we have been the charity of the year in the first year in the Emirates, and the awareness of that has just been huge. And in every program, we've had our purple page, uh, purple being the color of the charity, and uh, it gives the fans the information of what we're doing and how... You know, we raise our money and how we give our special days and Arsenal's connection to it. Um, it has been quite difficult in some respects uh, this year in so much that Arsenal's uh, main purpose is to make sure they got in the new stadium and they got, they got everything working. So I think that, that that has not helped us in that way, but certainly from the awareness point of view, it's been, it's been massive. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll make sure to put a good link on the on the website uh, from Ars Blog to the Willow Foundation. Oh, that'd be great. If I can move away to that, let's talk a little bit about football. Um, uh, it's been an interesting season for Arsenal, and um, a lot of people have spoken about how uh, great these young players are and the potential that they have. But um, in some regards, it's been disappointing as well, obviously, the Carling Cup final and, and going out of Europe so early. Do you think that the... the Still, there's a, a, a lack of experience that's costing us this year? Well, I think that is, uh, I think uh, a lack of experience is definitely uh, a little part of it. I don't think it's a very big part of it. You know, there are, the, the answer to that is that there were some fantastic senior players there Henri, uh, Gilberto, Freddie Lungberg, uh, and Jens Lehmann. Uh, and all but Jens have been injured during the season and injured at crucial times. And you cannot get through your season without your senior players. Um, so that is, without doubt, a fact of life. It's very easy to turn around and people say, oh, that's just an excuse. It's not an excuse at all. I heard Mourinho talking about his special players who come out on, you know, you only have to look to the cup final last year when West Ham deserved to win it and a big player um, turned it round for Liverpool. That was Steven Gerrard. So you need your big players to be playing, and Arsenal have the best set of young players in the country. They play the best football of any team in the country. Only Manchester United come anywhere near providing the entertainment and value for money that Arsenal to do. And the fact that Arsene Wenger does it on a third, and I'm, I really seriously mean one third of the budget of Chelsea or Man United, is almost unbelievable. And uh, everybody says the season's over because the Carling Cup's gone and the FA Cup's gone. And sadly, the Champions League's gone. I think one point behind Liverpool with two games in hand for third place and anywhere in the top four is a massive achievement by a side that's average age is about 21 or 22. Okay, I mean, there is obviously the, the, uh, the idea, I suppose, that losing in cup finals and, and going out of Europe early, especially when you're a young player, can serve as a, as a good motivating factor, no? Well, I think I'm hoping that will be the case. I hope that's the case. But, I mean, Arsenal cannot get by. Uh, I mean, there have been in the history of the game, uh, very famously when Man United's youngsters, uh, all the talented bunch, did start to win things. Most people, um, Alan Hansen famously said, you never win anything with youngsters. Well, Arsenal outplayed Chelsea in the first half of the Carling Cup, absolutely outplayed them. 
players on £120,000 a week were made to look very ordinary. And that was a remarkable, remarkable first half and almost a total embarrassment for Mourinho and Chelsea. And they know that they got away with it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, potentially, obviously, if Arsene can keep the players together, Arsene and Arsenal, and, uh, and just, you, you know, I think, I think they need another... I do think in amongst those talented youngsters, you need another wow factor player. Thomas Rosicki, I think, has been the, the biggest star for Arsenal since he's been, you know, the, one of the most recent buys, but again, has hit serious injury. Robin Van Persie, an absolute wow factor player, out for the rest of the season. You cannot do that. I mean, at times, Arsenal's injury list has been nine, ten senior players. And I, I would, I would challenge Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, anybody else, to achieve what Arsenal have done with that amount of players missing. Fair point, fair point. Okay, we'll move on to to goalkeepers because obviously that's your um, area of expertise, if you will. Um, and it's it seems likely, or the rumours are that 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 Jens Lehmann will will leave in the summer. Uh, to your mind, are there any uh, obvious candidates to bring in, or do you think that uh, somebody like uh, Almunia will be promoted to to the number one position? Well, I, I, that's a, I mean, it is uh, such an interesting situation. I do think Jens does have at least one really good season left in him, but uh, Arsene has his way of one season only for players over 30, and I understand why that is, part motivation, part because, you know, there is, a, there is an aging factor. It's slightly for a player, I think it's, uh, sorry, for a goalkeeper, I, I do think that you can go on quite happily till you're 38, 39 as long as you are incredibly professional and look after yourself, which Jens does. So um, it's a difficult one for us. And I think in the modern day with a scientific approach, you should be able to judge whether a player can give you another year or two. But if you set, the, if you set your stall out and you say you're only going to give a year, then the player either accepts that or decides, no, I'm not happy with that. I'll take a two- or three-year contract with somebody else. And that may well be the case with Jens. Regarding any goalkeepers at this moment that I personally, if I could get my hands on, I would try to go for Ben Foster of Watford, who uh, ironically is really a Man United player. I think he is um, the most promising of the young goalkeepers around, and I've seen him play time and again this season in a a side that's obviously been struggling, and he's had to do uh, an enormous amount of work, but he's... He's done it with such confidence, and uh, I don't know how he's come through so quickly, maybe because of the amount of work, but he's never let his head drop, and I think he's a terrific talent, Ben Foster. He does look a player. Another one we've heard about uh, a little bit is the, the hearts keeper, Craig Gordon. Um, what, what do you make of him, or do you know much about him? No, I don't know a lot about him, but I obviously keep an eye on him because uh, you know, I'm a Scottish goalkeeper, sure. and... Uh, and so I had a huge, you know, every time I've had a chance to watch Craig Gordon, I've watched him. I got very impressed in a couple of his international appearances at his presence. I look for the presence of a goalkeeper at the top level. And he had huge presence when he was playing at Hampden Park and huge presence in a game that Scotland played away. And I thought, oh, wow, here is a Scottish goalkeeper with real, you know, real, real quality. And obviously Hearts were having a great time last season, uh, fallen away a little bit since. Uh, and maybe it's been difficult for Craig to sustain that uh, consistency that he, that he had last season. Um, I, a lot of people have mentioned him. I don't know where he features. I honestly don't know where he features in the thinking at Arsenal. I would think he would be on the list. 
because I have to tell you that whereas I used to be able to name six or eight goalkeepers and run a list for you and say, let's go for him, him, him or him, I can't do it anymore. And, you know, I mentioned Ben Foster, but he's not available because he's a Man United player. He's not a Watford player. He's a Man United player. So it, 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 is, it is very difficult. Whether Manuel Almunia or Mark Poom, Mark Poom have, you know, are able to fill um, the goal that, that Jens, you know, has done so brilliantly. You know, people still talk to me and talk about Jens, and I still have to defend him, which I find amazing. You know, what goalkeeper ever in the history of game went 40 games unbeaten? No, none. And, and he's, he's, con he's continued that consistency. In the World Cup, he was one of the two best goalkeepers. Buffon and Lehman were the best goalies in the World Cup. He makes saves that turn games. I'm a massive fan. Technically, he's outstanding. Temperamentally, yeah, of course, we know that he can get wound up by people doing illegalities that referees in this country are not capable of either seeing or don't want to see because they're uh, quite frankly not quite good enough well he's a character that's for sure it's a shame, he's a character it? he's a great great character and uh, but he is also a great goalkeeper well it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Arsene um, deals with the situation in the summer Bob we'll leave it there but thanks again so much for taking the time and of course we'll give the Willow Foundation a, a good plug on the site well that's that's brilliant no problem and a big thank you to Bob Wilson for taking the time to talk to Arse Blog this week. Um, I did mean to ask him about those cool, invisible goalkeepers clubs he used to wear, but never got round to it. Remember, uh, the address for the Willow Foundation, the website, is www.willowfoundation.org.uk. If you can help in any way, whether that's a donation of money or your time, uh, it'll be greatly appreciated. You can hear from what Bob said that it takes uh, a lot of resources to keep the thing running. Okay, um, a big story this week has been the rumour, and the very, very strong rumour, uh, that Arsenal's away kit next season is going to be white. Um, apparently staff in the Arsenal store have been told that a white kit is coming. It's Nike who want this white kit, uh, so I'm told. And reaction from fans has been pretty poor. Uh, there are some fans out there who will say, hey, well, it doesn't make any difference what colour we play in. Um, but it does. It does matter. I hate the blue kits as well. I hate the blue away kit because blue is another colour for cunts. Yeah? Chelsea, Everton, uh, Ipswich. I know they're not, but they are. They're cunts. Um, and a white kit, what does a white kit symbol have? Yeah, we've got white sleeves and we've got white shorts and socks, but that's fine. But a white shirt uh, puts you in mind of Spurs and nobody wants to look like a Spurs fan. Yeah? As well as that, there's Bolton to take into consideration. They also play in white. Not only them, Leeds United, who are, since the time I was about 10 years old, one of my most hated teams, and I'll explain to you why. I've explained it on the blog before. But when I was in school in England, uh, this was uh, when I was about 9 or 10 years of age and um, living in Yorkshire at the time. And I was going to this school... And uh, there was a, a lad there called Ian Bessie. And he was a big fucking curly fucking cunt of a Leeds fan. And he was bigger than I was. He was bigger than most of the people there. But what he would do is he'd get your arm and put it behind your back. And he'd say, say you love Leeds, say you love Leeds. And, you know, unless you wanted your arm broken, you had to say you love Leeds. I always vomited a little bit afterwards. But ever since then, I've had this 
rather unnatural hatred towards Leeds United, their fans, and, and anybody who uh, is even related to one of their fans. I'm very much enjoying their troubles at the moment, and I do hope they get relegated. Uh, so you see, White Kit, for me, is just a non-runner. It's got nothing to do with Arsenal, and it's got so many bad memories for me. And I... I <sighs> Sorry. We just can't let that happen. Yeah, we can't let it happen. So we'll get some more information on it. And if it's a case that it's a, it's confirmed, um, then we need to make clear our objections to having a white kid. And it's not just because I'm traumatized since I was a child. It's just not right that Arsenal should play in white. Uh, I know somebody started a, an online petition, but in fairness, the club are not going to pay very much attention to that at all. Uh, if we uh, really object to it, if people really object to it, then you wouldn't mind spending uh, five minutes typing a letter and actually putting a stamp on it and sending it old-fashioned style uh, to the club because uh, emails can easily get lost as well. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on that one. Okay then, after a week off, Arsene Wenger Hawkins is back and he reflects on what's been a rather difficult couple of weeks uh, for the club and tries to put it in a bit of perspective. Hello. What a terrible time Arsenal have had in the last few weeks. Beaten in the Carly Cup final by those Chelsea cunts. Then beaten in the FA Cup by those Blackburn cunts. And then knocked out of the Champions League by those Dutch cunts. Arsenal fans shouldn't worry though. Every team goes through a bad run and they come out the other side okay. It's not just teams either. Sometimes people can go through a bad run in their own lives. It happened to me not so many years ago. I had a great job which I loved and which paid me a lot of money. Going to work each day was a pleasure. I had a beautiful wife and three children who I adored. Then one day I was called into the office in work. You're fired, they said. Why? I asked. For sexually harassing the pretty young secretary, they said. I asked them, what has this world come to? When putting your hand up a sexy teenager's skirt and saying, hey, sweets, fancy sucking on my plums, is considered sexual harassment. After I cleared out my desk, I stopped off at a bar and got really, really drunk. On the drive home I ran over a duck and propelled his body into a bus full of orphans who were all beheaded. Then, when I got home, I found my wife in bed with former German Chancellor Helmut Kohl. I'm leaving you, she said. Why? I asked. Because you're an unspeakable cunt, she said. And she left and took my three children with her. I never saw them again. So, you see... These bad periods happen in everybody's life, but they always improve. I mean, look at me now. I have a terminal disease, I shit into a bag, and any cunt with a Macintosh can do an impression of my voice. Oh yes. It is always nice to have somebody who can look on, on the bright side of things, isn't it? Arsene Wenger Hawkins, uh, for all his problems, will be back on next week's Arsecast. Now then, that is just about that. Final part of the show, as always, is our bet of the week with thanks to bluesquare.com. That is www.bluesq.com. Uh, Simon Wolf this week says, Arsenal's kids had a great run in the Carling Cup, but the likes of Danielson and Diaby are now fully established first-team members. With that in mind, you can bet on how old you think Arsenal's first goal scorer will be on the weekend. You can get odds of 6-5, to five, 
for Arsenal's first goal scorer against Everton to be 23 years old or younger, or 8 to 13 if you think they're going to be 24 or older. So if you haven't got a Blue Square account, uh, please sign up using the Ars blog homepage and keep tuning into the bets of the week because they're making people rich. Actually, during the week, uh, I actually won 57 euros on the Cheltenham Festival because, uh, you know, I have my Blue Square account and I don't know anything about horses uh, at all, apart from, you know, their you know, four-legged creatures that run very fast and apparently have very big penises. But that is irrelevant, really. But anyway, there was a horse called According to John, and I thought that was a fantastic name for a horse. So I put a fiver each way on it, even though it was 80 to 1, and I think it came in third, and I won 57 euros, which isn't bad. I had a friend, actually, who had a dog called John. That's kind of irrelevant, too, but I just thought it was a good name for a dog. What's your dog called? Rover. What's your dog called? Spot. What's your dog called? Patch. What's your dog called? John. Awesome. Anyway, he was Australian, so um, it was a bit strange as well. Not that that's got anything to do with his Australianness, but he was just a bit strange. Sometimes we'd go out for a beer, go out for the night, and he'd wear a name badge. And his name was Sean, and he'd put a, a name badge on. My name is Sean. And he'd talk to girls and say, hi, my name is Sean. And they'd go, nice to meet you, Sean. And he'd say, my name's not Sean. He was a very strange man. Anyway, uh, just the final part before we go, uh, to give away the two um, uh, Savile Rogue scarves. The first one goes to Paul Carolyn, because I really enjoyed his torquey wife swap, club swap type email. And the other one, I'm going to give to a guy called James Hickman, who left a message on the Arsebite system, and it was the Arsefather. And basically it was the theme music for The Godfather and, and him trying to do the Godfather's voice and, you know, talking about Didier Drogba sleeping with fishes, which is always a good way of, of getting a scarf, I have to say. If there's some violence towards Didier Drogba, then you're putting yourself in, at a, an advantage. However, uh, the audio quality uh, just wasn't good enough for me to be able to play uh, on the podcast. So, uh, James, a scarf coming your way. But what you could do is just get yourself a cheap mic and download a piece of software called Audacity, which is a free uh, audio editor, and it'll make life a lot easier and everybody will be able to hear it. And in the meantime, you can um, practice the voice a little bit. But that is the kind of cool, creative, funny stuff, you know, that we're looking for. So anyway, maybe you're inspired. Anyway, that is that. Thank you to Savile Rogue for their sponsorship. Thank you to the rest of you uh, for listening. There will be another Arsecast next Friday, of course. Uh, the blog will be with you all week long. And here's to three points on Merseyside this weekend. Hopefully somebody can find their scoring boots, uh, Billy's boots or Thierry's boots, and uh, stick away a couple of goals and uh, get us another three points uh, before the second of our trips to Merseyside, which is against Liverpool uh, next week, I think. No, it's not. It's the week after, isn't it? Because uh, there's internationals. So I think it's the 31st we play against Liverpool. In the meantime, have yourselves a good weekend. Um, it is, of course, St. Patrick's weekend, Saturday being St. Patrick's Day. So there will probably be a beer or two consumed in the Arsblog household and perhaps a little jaunt into the city centre to soak up uh, the atmosphere and, you know, the singing and dancing and sort of fighting and vomiting and and stuff like that. It's all good fun. So, until next week's Arscast. Bye.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.